Welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morse. Today, I have a very, very special guest. I've been trying to get this guy on the phone for several, several months now. Um, Mr. Gavin Van Vlack. I'm so fucking elusive. <laughs> I am super elusive. So welcome to the I podcast, like Gavin. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, there's so I have so many notes here for you, and I did a lot of research on you and uh, learned a lot more things about you, which I probably learned more about you today. Um, I don't even I don't remember when I first met you. I don't know if I met you when I first moved to New York. I'm not even sure when I met you. If it was eighty eight or eighty nine, I don't even know, man. Do you remember it all or no? I was like I was around eighty eight. Yeah, when I first came out there, right? Around eighty Yeah. Um so you were you were you born in New York or were you born in New Hampshire? No. Born in New Hampshire. I'm a country kid, man. I'm not like yeah, like Harley, Jimmy, Jimmy uh Jimmy Murphy's Law. Those guys are true. Those guys are real New Yorkers, you know. Yeah. Jesse Mallon. Those those cats are all real New Yorkers. I'm, you know, I was raised in New Hampshire. I'm a, you know, I'm at root like a like a, a rural kid. Yeah. Did you did you go you to know? you went you went to you went to school all through New Hampshire? Then after you graduated, you moved to um, New York. No, no, we moved down to New York in like it was like 1980, 81 because my mom had cancer. I went to school up in Westchester. Okay. Um, and uh, it was weird because, you know, I was a, you know, I was a country kid. I was thrown into a fairly middle-class suburban surrounding. And I was ill-fit. I didn't ha- I had really good tools, but not the tools to basically be able to socialize amongst kids like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and how were you in school? Did you like school? No, I hated it. Did you get? Did you get? I like learning, but I didn't, yeah. No, I got shitty grades. I got really shitty grades, except for certain things that I liked, like creative writing and uh, social studies. Um, you know. Yeah. So you, you kind of like you kind of like the weird kind of misfit kid in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I saw. But, I mean, go ahead. I, I think a lot of us were. Yeah. I mean, even the even the most. If I think about it, the most of anybody who could ever, you know, like, if you look at like Tara Meninda, who was like a high school athlete, like a really good high school athlete, even him being into punk rock was a, he was a misfit fucking kid. Yeah. You know, he had that one thing that was, we all, I think that's kind of what draws us in. I agree. We all have that, that little iota of weirdness to us, you know? Yeah, nobody comes from the perfect home at all. I feel like I've, I've been learning that no. through all these interviews that like everybody comes from some sort of situation that's not the normal like perfect American family. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there have to there ha- there's always some kind of ver- weird variables, and I think I, I I continually say that it was like you know it's one of those things that like saved my life in a way. Yeah. You know, so did but you, uh, did you get into music early in school? Yeah. Were you exposed to music? At a young age, I was I was exposed to music at a very early age. Not in school. Okay. School, it wasn't really like you know what I wanted to do with music. There was there was there was band, and then there was what I wanted to do. Like you know, I said this before in interviews. Like my first my first live experience was a country and western show. Oh wow! And it wasn't so much it wasn't so much about country and western. It was Waylon Jennings, and awesome. it wasn't so much about country and western as it was it was guitar. It was like wow, that's fucking magical. Mm-hmm. you know yeah and uh you know it was loud it was rockish and it was kind of like it was like really cool 
And, you know, I went in and I researched it. And it was kind of funny because I went and I think I've told this story before. I went into the local record store, which, you know, the local record store, the people that work there, you know, they're, they're, um, it's interesting. They're not much different than like, say like your people that work at your local coffee shop now, because it's yeah. like, Oh, you like you're, you're into that. Oh, you should check this out kind of thing. You know, it's totally. like, it was really interesting. And I, I was a young kid who was like looking for Waylon Jennings records and they're like, Oh, well, have you ever heard of this? And then like, they turned me on to like black Sabbath and like kiss and, you know, even like the Ramones and shit like that. There were yeah. kids up in New Hampshire that were teed into that shit. Yeah. And this is way pre-internet. Totally. You know, um, and it was like, it was just anything loud. Yeah. I was about it, you know? Yeah. And it was like, if I had a loud, just loud distorted guitar, I was so like, yeah, that was my love. So loud how, 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 old you, how old were you when you started playing guitar? Um, Probably about seven or eight. That's you amazing, know, yeah. just like playing, like learn. I think it was like learning as we all learned back then. I mean, before there was tablature and all that shit, you you know you'd play along with records, and like if you couldn't figure something out, you used to be able to slow slow a record down to like if it was a forty five to thirty three and a third, yeah. and at thirty three and a third, I think you'd slow it down to seventeen. And for those of us who were smart, now we oh oh so it drops it an octave, and you learn to play along with it, and then you know it's like. Um, you know, boredom is the catalyst of genius kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so you learn how to play like, you know, Black Sabbath stuff and Motorhead and, um, you know, and it was like, like I said, anything that had a distorted guitar, Boston, this band Boston from Boston, yeah. you know, that had, you know, it was like, back then it was like anything that had like a fucking, you know, where the guitar was up front, I was really about it. It's awesome. You, you pretty know. much taught yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no one's totally self-taught. And there's always like, um, you'll always run into influences here and there. Yeah. You'll find people that, other friends that play that know something different than you know and you yeah. steal their idea or someone who's better than you that teaches you a shitload. Yeah. You know, no, if someone was actually truly self-taught, they would have their own tuning you know, their own time, their signatures, all that shit. It would be amazing to listen to, yeah. um, you know, but I mean, I'm not, I, I, another thing I always say, I'm not that smart. That's something someone else has said too. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. So, so um, are you eating, are you eating food right now? Yeah. <laughs> Just for the listeners. So they know Gavin's got food. I can tell you're eating. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, so, I just got back. I just got back from the gym, so I need to get some food on him. Like you know, I hear you. Um, my first first real meal of the day. I think you and Capo are the only other people that were eating on, during the podcast, but it's all good. It was wonderful. <laughs> um, okay, so 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 let's get back to school though. So now you're in New York, and you're going to school in New York, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So what, what was that transition like going from New Hampshire to New York? It had to be tr- drastically different. It was very different um, because I was never really, I grew up in a very rural community. Yeah. And uh, even though my mom was super, super educated and very metropolitan, I mean, she grew up in Flatbush. Mm. Um, We were, 
raised in a very rural setting. Yeah. And as much as I knew about, you know, knew about things, I didn't know about things. Like I didn't have the social skill set to be able to integrate into this kind of situation that well. So I was very much kind of an outcast yeah. to a degree. Yeah. I mean, don't, 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 don't make, I'm not, not, not making it seem like, like, Oh, I was an outcast and blah, blah, blah. There's that's what high school is. There's tons of outcasts in high school yeah. and we all found each other. Yeah. You know, we all found each other. We're humans are pack animals. Mm-hmm. You know, we will always find, we will always find our tribe. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's, that's, that's out of, out of necessity for survival because mm-hmm. no one can survive alone. I don't give a fuck how much of a macho lone wolf kind of guy you think you are. We need to have communality. Yeah. That's a word. I don't know. No, that's a word. I think. <laughs> did, yeah. did, did you have brothers and sisters? Oh, I have two sisters. Okay. Two, two both older. Older sisters. Okay. Um, yeah, my oldest sister, like I said, I've said this before, was kind of the man of the house. She worked three jobs, put herself through college, wow. and helped support the family because my mom had cancer. Yeah. And uh, yeah, my dad took off when I was really young. So. Okay. How young were you? Yeah. Remember? And, um, I was so young I don't remember. I okay. think I was under two years old oh, wow. when my dad took off. Um, Damn. And never really knew, never really knew him. Yeah. I don't really care. You yeah. know. Um, you know, it's like it's gotten way beyond that point. Um, but that, but you just, know, I know but Gavin, from but, the, but Gavin, just, I, just that. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, but just that right there, that your dad took off as a young. That automatically makes you your perfect candidate for fucking um, the punk rock scene and getting into this other family. You oh, know what absolutely. I'm saying? Yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. We all. That, that is one of those things that really does dial us all in. Yeah. You know. So rewind for a second. So uh, when, sure. when you're in school. Are you just are you just trying to just get by and just like you're not you don't give a shit you like maybe focusing on the stuff. I'm not even yeah. I'm not even giving a. I mean, the <laughs> teachers most of the teachers like at that point, and I kind of have sympathy for them because they're overworked, they're underpaid, and I know now how teachers are like you know maligned, and not you know they they weren't unionized. Yeah. You know and yeah I mean that's gonna that's gonna breed some kind of hostility, and then you've got you know these grouchy little aggro balls of testosterone that you've got to deal with yep. on a regular basis with guys. And then these hyper hysterical, you know, like young ladies who are, you know, hormones are firing off left and right. I only imagine what these people, and they, I don't know if there is any training that is apt to be able to deal with those kind of situations. Yeah. But I really, as, as, as a student, I wasn't a good student there. It wasn't the type of, it wasn't the type of, uh, it wasn't my 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 learning set. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm the kind of kind of person is I need to get my hands dirty to learn something. Yeah, that's why I was good at martial arts because it's applied. You yeah. don't sit there and watch someone do it. Yeah, you don't sit there and like read about someone doing it. You have to you go in it. there. You have to make mistakes and you have to course correct. Yeah. That's what I'm good at. That's what I'm good at with guitar. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So did you have any goals that you wanted to do? Did you want to be a musician when you get out of school or did you have any after high school? Um, oh God, I had, I played music. I played music because it's the same reason I play music now. It's something that I do. Yeah. Um, goals were like, you know, 
I, I wanted to play CDs. Yeah. Uh, you, know, like, our, you know, our goals when we're like, you know, when yeah. you're 15 to 18 years old, your goals are so like, you know, you want to get in a van and you want to tour. And, yeah. Cause it all seems so fucking glamorous. Yeah. You know, it all seems so like magical, which it is. It Don't is. get me wrong. In some sense. It yeah. is. It's fucking, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. And I'm not trying to be anywhere like, you know, like, Oh, that shit doesn't matter. But I think as I think the goals grew as the goals were achieved, mm-hmm. which is kind of how it should go. Um, yeah. I've never really wanted to be a big label musician. I don't think that's where I never thought that's where I belonged. Yeah. You know, I never saw myself as being like, you know, you know, like Stone Temple Pilots or something like that. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I get a kick out of when some kid comes up to me and tells me that I'm the reason they started playing guitar. To me, there's the payoff. That's amazing. Yeah, true. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, I mean, I just recently got back to writing. I took like a year and a half off from even like I touching the guitar. Oh wow! Like, any yeah, um, I really wanted to focus on my gym. Yeah, because it was having some. There was there was I was having some financial problems with that. Yeah, and it was because I was touring a lot and. You know, it's like I basically had two horses and one ass to ride both of them with. Mm. So I basically put the music to the side. Um, you know, I just sat down, like I've talked with like Uriah Hackney, who I've recorded some stuff with. Yeah. And Uriah played on the last uh, Burn tour and he just did uh, a couple tours with Converge. He's a drummer for Rough Francis oh, nice. out of Vermont. Um, y'all should go check those kids out. They're fucking not kids. They're, they're men, mm-hmm. but they're, 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 they're legacy. Awesome. Because their father, their father was Bob Hackney from death out of Detroit, oh, wow. which is a band that basically influenced the Stooges and MC five. Okay. Okay. And the Hackney brothers are all mega, mega talented, mega, mega cool people. Yeah. And just really, really awesome. And Uriah, Uriah's like a brother to me. I love that dude. Um, I hold him the same way that I hold like Gingy Brown. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, but I recorded a bunch of stuff with him and I recorded a bunch of stuff with Travis Bacon from, uh, uh, from Hogwash. And, uh, you know, like I've been talking with them about getting back in and, uh, doing some of, you know, like the stuff I do with Travis is great because it's funny. Because the little story on the stuff I did with Travis, I did like six songs with him. Mm-hmm. And I brought in Manny Carrero from nice. Glassjaw and yep. Tucker, Tucker Rule from Sunday. I mean, from Thursday, Monday, Thursday. Um, and uh, it was just great sessions. But I also brought in Artie Shepard from Aerotype 11 nice. to do some backup vocals. And the two songs that I, that I brought in Artie to do backup vocals on, I was listening to them with Travis and I was like, Yo, Trav, Artie's smoking me on my own songs, isn't he? And Trav <laughs> just kind of looks at me like, like he's really, really good. So I think what I might do with those songs is I talked to Artie about like, hey, would you, you know, and release them under a different, not under the canonized label, really just release. Because I think, I think Artie can help make those songs as awesome as they could be. Yeah. And that to me is what really matters is making awesome songs. Yep. Right now. That's it's awesome. not so much about like, oh, it's, it's about Gavin singing and Gavin doing this. Da, da, da. You know, it's like when, uh, when I, when I like when we came off the last European tour and I was kind of like, yeah, I, I was talking with a friend of mine who's, uh, 
he's probably one of the top producers in the world right now. Um, and we were talking over coffee and he goes like, well, yo man, you know, you got to keep releasing stuff. You got to be relevant. And I looked at him, I'm like, I'm relevant to my dog. That's all that matters. <laughs> True. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, Right now, right now, it seems that, and this isn't, a, I'm not meaning to make anybody feel shitty, yeah. but the listening audience has such a short attention span totally. that for, for it's, it's, it's just like, it's pushing that rock up the hill to have it roll down the other side again. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's such a labor and a task that to me doesn't seem worth it to where I just, you know what, I'm going to put this out there. If you listen to it, great. If you don't listen to it, fine. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. You know, I'm that. very used to, especially with like Burn and with Die 116. Die 116, especially, where I, I had people come up to me 10, 15 years after the fact telling me how awesome they thought that record was. Yeah. The Dynacore record was. And I'm good with that. You know, it's yeah. like, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this to, you know, I mean, fame, fame is fleeting. Mm-hmm. And I, that's not my reason for doing things. Yeah. My reason for doing things is that kid who hears it and decides that like, well, I, I could kill myself or I could learn to play this song. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, it. I love that. You yeah. know, and it's like, and you guys know, I think H2O of any band has had a lot of that. You guys have like fucking saved a lot of lives. Thank you, man. You yeah, know, a yeah. lot of kids have heard your, heard your music and been like, you know, oh man. I mean, and even like think about the people you've had on this podcast, Kevin Second. Yeah, dude. Fucking HR. Yeah. How many people did the bad brain stop from fucking like, you know, shuffling loose this mortal coil? 100%, man. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's power. one of the things that I think, I think that punk rock and hardcore does is to the person, to that disenfranchised kid who doesn't fit in. Yeah. It, you know, it, it gives an it gives an omni shaped hole to the omni shaped kid. Yeah, you know, yeah, I agree. the kid who isn't a square peg or a triangle peg mm-hmm. or a circular peg. You know, he's got so many edges sticking out of him that he doesn't fit in anywhere. Yeah, you know, hundred percent. To where that you know that kid that kid just slides into the spot perfect. I love it. Um, when w- w- when did you reach your goal of playing CBGBs for the first time? Remember um, that? Remember I that? think I was, I think I was sixteen. Sixteen? Wow. Sixteen or seventeen? Yeah, sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. Is that what was that? New York Hoods 17. or Absolution? Yeah, Hoods. Wow. Hoods, Hoods was free Absolution. Okay, that's what I thought. You know. Yeah, so was your Hoods first was band. Absolution. Yeah. Were you, um, were you writing like, songs? That was too? my first real, real yeah. bit. I was writing, I was writing songs in that, but it was different because, like, the way I wrote, like they, like. They were very, they were very Ramones, and I was very, um, not. You know, <laughs> I was, I was, you know, yeah, you know, and they were very like, you know, they were very like stru- like, and I, I like structured songwriting, but yeah, I mean, if you listen to Absolution, Absolution was the beginning of like what create like started to like feel like you know like what my my bent on. I hate saying style, but my bent on songwriting and musicality was, mm-hmm. and then that went on with Burn, and that went on with Die One Sixteen, yep. and then Pry, and Canonize, and anything that I've done. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it was very different. It was like like the stuff that I wrote, they kind of didn't get, so it wasn't a lot of my material. 
I had my my influences and things. Yeah. That there were certain things that I I did that were very Gavin. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And let alone in the hoods, I was playing bass. I wasn't playing guitar. Oh wow! Oh shit! I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so how 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 has that been? How long did that been last for? The hood. Yeah. Um, I was in the hood for I think like a year and a half, and then okay. they kicked me out. Oh shit. Yeah. Because I, I, I just got annoying because at a point I wanted it to be more musical mm. and they were kind of half, they were just a different direction. And they basically, it was funny because, you know, I brought in this, I brought in this guitarist who was, I thought would definitely help us move along that way. And they basically asked him to ask me to leave. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't even ask you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which was funny because it was right after the time, right after like, Right after I'd done the last show with Side by Side, which I had left Side by Side because I'd wanted to work on the hoods, and it's all well and good. I wasn't even bent about it. I was just kind of like, fine, because I I was no, that wasn't fine. I was just kind of like, okay, well, what am I going to do musically? Yeah, you know. And I was like, I already had it in my head of like I wanted to do Absolution, something like Absolution. Yeah, yeah. You know, how long in Side by Side for? Um, I was in Side by Side for like maybe six to eight months. Oh wow. Which that was, I mean, that was definitely like Eric was a very musical, very musical and non-musical writer, which was mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, and there was a lot of talent in that band um, with Eric and with Sammy, you know. And Shot uh, Sammy, yeah. Yeah, and it was like you know, even at a young age, Sammy was just such. I mean, he was you know, he was one of the first drummers that was really playing like that open style, like that offset open style. Yeah, you know, he was he played like that originally from the get go. Yeah, and uh, you know, and Eric Eric was also just a phenomenal fucking guitarist. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's a sick. That was a, sick a fun group. band to play with. Yeah, yeah. Sammy's one. Sammy's one of the but then great after, drummer. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. No, hands down, one of like one of the greatest drummers to ever come out of like the New York, the New York hardcore scene. I would honestly say like the, the, the underground punk scene. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For you sure. know, he, we, he's up there with, with he's you. up there with like, I would say like a topper head and, and people along that ilk. He is, you know, and people are going to say like, Oh, you can't compare him to topper of the class. Well, know what motherfucker. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I think Sammy's done some really fucking relevant fucking shit. Yeah. You know, and he's played all, People forget like 32 tribes where he was playing, right. like, you know, he was playing reggae and like, I saw him do like jungle sessions. Like he's a talented fucking cat. Yeah. You know, and the biscuit too. He played everything, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So it's like, you know, people, yeah. people will get pissed off at me comparing him to like, you know, you know, the greats, like, like I'll, I'll say Mackie Topperhead, yeah. Earl, Guys like that, but yeah, no, he's earned that. He's put his fucking time in. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, fucking three de- three decades three decades in this game at least. That's crazy, man. Yeah, fucking youth you of know? today. Now he's doing shows, youth of today, shelter, and judge, man. It's it's amazing, man. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, I, I, I want to rewind a little bit too, because I because I didn't even know this about you. Till I looked, I was doing some research on you. Is that I, I didn't realize that you were in a foster care system in Westchester. And also that you know you have, you have the high 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 most respect for Purcell. Like you would let you let, you would stay with him like you were fifteen years old and stuff, and you kind of met them up there. Oh right? yeah, in Westchester. Yeah. Oh yeah, Purcell fucking Purcell like like looked out for me like because at one point like I was kind of like 
couch surfing as a kid. Yeah. And like, we would go, we would go to the anthrax and we'd like, kind of like get a ride back to like, back to like, you know, Purcell's place. And like, there were a few times where we, you know, we, we snuck in and we got away with it, but there were a few <laughs> times too, like his pot, his pot, the big V would kick me out. Oh, you know? shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Purcell, Purcell, you know, and that's the thing is Purcell came from like a very, you know, middle-class family yep. that like you're very strict kind of a strict upbringing of yep. like, you know, I don't think it's, I, I, I hope his father, I really hope that Purcell's father is proud of the man that, that, that he's become because he's one of the most positive, totally wonderful fucking people on the planet. Super like, positive. I bring him, I, I bring him out to out to PCC. He does workshops every couple months, yeah. yoga workshops. And everybody who has the privilege to meet him, the first thing they say is like, the second you talk to him, you feel like you're the only you're the only two people in that in that room. Like he's mm. he's engaged and present. Yeah, you know. That's I love that. Yeah, and it's like yeah, yeah. No, Purcell, like totally, like yeah. I mean, yeah, like there's so like. It's funny because Ray brought this up. Like our karmas are so like intertwined in a weird way. Yeah, you know we're always going to be in that in that uh, orbit of each other, and it's 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 neat because we had times where we we didn't care for each other. Yeah, I think we all have it here yep. and there. But at this at this point, I'm not down to argue with the universe because I know what that does. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, totally. And any 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 petty grievances that I have are exactly that. They're petty grievances. Yeah. And in the big picture of things, they don't mean anything. Yeah. No, I love that. They're meaningless. They're meaningless if you if you put it next to the amount of good that we've all done. I agree. Were you um were you, you know? were you a straight edge kid back then? I got into straight edge for a little bit, but I'm also very iconoclastic. And yeah. the second I saw that it was kind of like and there's also there was also something to it that didn't speak to me, um, which I'll get into. Yeah. Um uh, but when I, I felt that it became, it started to become more of a, more of a boutique label thing. Mm. Like, Oh, well I'm, I'm straight edge because it's the cool thing to do. Not because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, that I kind of like veered away from it. Yeah. Um, and I think also at that point, like I also have such an, had such an internal dialogue that was self-destructive that I found that I found that in straight edge, it was acting out and manifesting in certain ways that not being straight edge was actually like a better situation for me. Gotcha. Um, you know, and, uh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, it's weird because it's like, and that's only speaking of my own personal experience in life. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, I I remember. T- I mean, I remember seeing your tats when I was a kid. Like your, when I first met you, like your hard edge, and then you stand hard, and never never get in, never give in. Were you like a? Yeah. Were you all? Were you? Were you always a, like a bigger kid, or were you a smaller kid that got picked on, and then you became bigger and more and more? You got toughened up like through growing up and stuff. Do you know what I mean? I was. I no. I was never. I was never a smaller kid. Okay. But I was always kind of like the first person. If I saw someone was getting bullied up on. Yeah. And I saw it was like we had the hardcore scene. Like I had a lot of friends of mine who were skaters. Yep. And a lot of the skater kids were not big kids, and like you'd get like four or five skinheads would be rolling up on this skater dude, 
And for me, that was that was a good game right there. I was like, oh, I'm in on this. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I would jump in on the side of, you know, like, I would jump in on the side of the skater kid yeah. and just, you know, and I've always, I was always a good fighter. Yeah. You know? Just, just from growing up, did you get so, a lot of fights growing up or just defending yourself? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's also because like growing up in New Hampshire and being half Mexican, mm. you hear a lot of shit and yes. you get, you get, you know, you get really, you know, I would get in fights because people would pick on my older sister. Yeah. Um, I would get in fights because people would pick like, say shit to me and I, I I would have a hot temper. Okay. You know? Yeah. I was extremely reactive as a kid. Um, you know? Yeah. And then how'd you end up in foster, that foster system? Um, that was after my mom passed away. That really sucked. Yeah. Um, how, how old are you? Fuck. Uh, probably like 13, 14. Damn. Yeah. It, it sucks to a point, but then, I mean, I bounced around a couple houses and then I was, uh, I was put into this one, one house with this guy who was, he was a, he was a state cop and he had a bunch of other, other guys my age. Yeah. Lionel, and right? he was cool. Yeah. Yep. He, he was fucking cool. Okay. Yeah. He, he was super in. fucking cool. And yeah, he took us in and he was good. And his, his, his son, his son, Michael was a fucking great kid. Um, and really fucking tolerant of sh- like sharing his dad with us. Yeah. And he didn't have to, he could have, he could have been a real prick about it. Totally. But Mike was really fucking like, you know, like, no, I know why my pop is doing this. Wow. And yeah, it was, uh, I can't imagine kind of like, you know, yeah. And then after a point, cause like I was different than all those kids. They were all, they were all kind of good kids. Yeah. You know, that were just from shitty homes and shitty situations, yeah. but also the locality of, where his house was at that time was also very convenient to the locality of the original anthrax. Oh shit. Perfect. It was like, it was like a 12 to 14 mile car ride to Stanford. Damn. Okay. So, and at that point you could still hitchhike. Okay. Yeah. Back then yeah. it was safe. Totally. So yeah. <laughs> we do that and you could, and you could get a ride because there was punk rock kids that lived in like Poundridge and you could always get a ride home. Yeah. So that's, that's where punk rock really started to become like, Oh, this is, these are my people. Got you. You know? Yeah. You know, it was like, you know, people like, you know, Warren the thief and Ray Capo, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> that was my tribe, you know, <laughs> like, you know, awesome. Joey Diaz of, you know, uh, Joey Diaz of, of fucking Dresden and like, you know, the guy from 76% uncertain, the Sheridan brothers, Yeah, you know, the legend, let my, may I be, I hope I'm not the first to say the legendary Sheridan, Sheridan brothers. You might be the first, you know, but I remember 76% uncertain. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they own the anthrax, you know, yeah. and they basically gave, they gave us a venue in Stanford. Then they gave us a venue in Norwalk to be able to play shows. It's awesome. You know, and that was, you know, one of those things. Um, and that's where it really was like, yeah, this is where I got to go. This is what I got to do. Yeah. Did, you know? did your sisters go to shows too or no? No, no. Okay. They never had any interest in it. Wow. You know? Yeah. You know, no, my, my oldest sister is, she's, she's one of my favorite people in the planet. We're totally like, we are very much the same, but politically extremely polar opposites. Okay. You that's know? good though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I talk I talk with her like a couple times a week. 
she'll send me stuff from the Wall Street Journal and I'll send her stuff from like Huffington Post. And you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, but we're really, we're very close. And I love my other sister too. We don't talk, I mean, me, we, me and my sisters don't get a lot of time in the same rooms, but we're, we're in contact. Yeah. And it's and it's it's amazing that they kept you guys together through the foster care system. Like, it was really important for sure. Well, um, well, no, they. My oldest sister was ready. ready my oldest sister Donna was already out of co- was already out oh, of college at this point. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. She's fourteen years my senior. Oh shit. Okay. We we have here's the thing. We have separate fathers. Okay. But I won't call. I will not call her a half sister because she's never shown me half love. Mm, I love that. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's blood in, blood out. Yeah. Um my other sister my other sister Stephanie had opted to stay actually at that point in Vermont because she was old enough to be emancipated. Oh, as soon shit. as I could get my emancip my emancipated emancipation papers filed, I did. And that okay. was at fifteen. Okay. Gotcha. So I was kind of responsible for myself. Holy shit. Yeah, that's young. Yeah. Especially like well, you yeah. up, you went to New York then too, right? Well you stayed there for a while. Yeah. Wow. No, I would bounce back and forth. I would stay with friends down in the city. I would stay everywhere. Any, anywhere there was a couch, I would crash. Yeah. And it was so different back you then, know? too, man. Especially, like, that young and that time in New York, too. That was fucking crazy, man. Yeah, but it's also, don't forget, even to this day and age, it's easy for a kid to flip through the cracks. True. Yeah, that's you true. Know? That's a good point, you actually. See it, you, see, you see it a lot. Yeah. You know? When you the got... population is so... Got so it. huge that we just lose track of people. It's a good point. It's actually a sad point, but true. Yeah. yeah. Um, Very sad point. So when you got to New York, you, you found your tribe, like CBGBs, all that. You met so many people, and were you pretty much were they were you welcomed? Was it was it hard to like get into that mix or like like being part um, of that scene? No, no, no. I mean, it was like people that I like met right off the get go that I'm still friends with, like you know, Jimmy from Murphy's Law. Like I fucking. Yeah. He's awesome. He's one of those people that every time someone dies, I shoot him a text telling him how much I love him. Mm. Because it's like, I mean, and that's the thing too. Like after Todd died, um, like I remember we had the the you know the thing at uh at Niagara, Niagara yep. and I, I said to somebody, I said, "Listen, I said, you know, we're get we're at the point in our lives where we've seen a lot more of this." Yeah, you know, so you know, be be communicative with each other. Yeah. Um. And, uh, you know, because, I mean, Jack, Jack Flanagan just passed away. It's like, you know, be prepared to start, you know, every month, every two months, someone's going to go. You know, it could be my time next. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not meaning to, I'm not at all meaning to be morbid about that. No, I know. I know. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that we're, we're a long way in on this journey. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm be 50 you know? next year. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, just you, know, you, you definitely take care of yourself the best you can, you know. Take care of yourselves and love the people around you. Hundred percent. You know. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like the people that you know, the people that I've, you know, from the beginning. Like I said, Jimmy. Yeah. Purcell. You know, yeah. these are people that like I've been friends with for fucking ever. Yeah. You know, like you. Yeah. You know, like long time, man. It's you know, yeah, exactly. You know, Craig, Craig Satari, Craig Ahead, yeah, is one of my closest fucking friends. Fucking, you know, Sergio Vega, great uh, person, yeah, man. Gingy Brown, Dan, Dan Cab. These are all people that like I fucking, you know, that are like you know are still I'm consistently in contact with. Yeah, 
you know? Yeah, it's super important. Um, I mean, there's tons, there's tons of new, I mean, fuck, you know, my, 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 my ex-girlfriend, Jenny, we've known each other 30, God, 30 plus years. Wow. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, I can't imagine not having her as a friend. Mm-hmm. No, totally. You know, it's just one of those things, you know, people are like, oh, well, you broke it up. Oh, you know, you're like, it's, yeah, the, the relationship has changed and morphed, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to be in contact. Yeah. You know, sure. so it's like, you know, it's one of those things. Once you get to a certain age, you start to realize, you know, the permanence of certain things and the impermanence of all things. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, yeah. Were you, were you, were you oh, so let's get back to the music now, but were you into graffiti before you moved to New York or you got into that when you got to New York? Oh, that was, that was a New York affliction. Um, I was into it. Like I, I saw it and I was like, wow, what is this fucking magic? You know, cause you see, <laughs> yeah. you're coming, you're coming, you know, you're co- either coming in on the Metro North or you're coming in on subway and it's right in your fucking face. Yeah, and you're totally. like, and at that point it was all around. It was on the trains. It was on the walls. You'd yeah. go through the Bronx and you would see these huge, like these, and it was, back then it was like these huge TAT burners, which yeah. was back early eighties. Yeah. You know, and it was like, it was just such, you know, it was this electric electricity that kept the city alive. Yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I it, it it will never be given the credit that it is for keeping again, it was something I think that stopped kids from killing themselves. Uh, yeah, I, you know? I agree. Man. But it will yeah. oh, it will always be looked at as like an urban blight. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and that discussed by, you know, like the uh I won't say social elite, but by the power structure of like, oh, it's ugly and it's this, that, and the other thing. You know, well, you know, I think that, I think that, you know, neckties are ugly. You know, it's like, we all, we all all have fucking opinions. Totally, totally. (laughs) Um, You you wrote, you were in the, was it called like sports crew or something? You wrote Nats? That was your first graffiti name? NACZ, yeah, Nats. It was uh, sports, wrist crew, Nice. Um, AOK, FUA, uh, yeah, I mean, I was down with TFT, I was down with NPC, like, Damn. I was down with a lot of, a, a lot of different crews, but I mean, it was like, I wasn't so much the crews as it was the people that I really, like, yeah. sports crew, like, you know, if you were a sports crew, you were bombing with Hush, and bombing with Hush was definitely an experience, um, <laughs> Ed has a definitely a different take on graffiti, yeah, um, he's really talented with, with his style, what he does. Um, you know, it's the same, like to be like, like I used to bomb with Sane and Smith. Um, you know, Sane, Sane and Smith, both geniuses at their craft. Yeah. And I will call it a craft. Totally. Um, you know, the way they went about it, the same thing with stack stack was like, oh, yeah. you know, ground, a groundbreaker. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, I mean, I used to bomb with guys like J.A., who was just nothing but, like, J.A., who was straight up just a bomber. Yeah. You know, he could piece, but his preferred M.O. was, it was that, that cap MPC mindset of, like, you know, more is better. And yeah. he would hit a highway wall or a building wall or a train, and it would just be blah, 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 you know? It's like, yeah. Just, you know, and the consistency, you know? This absolute consistency. It was like cookie cutter. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember seeing like a whole bunch of those on those train, on the train, like all the way across the train, all that shit for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was like maniacal about it. 
Um, and do you, do you, were, you, were you getting arrested doing graffiti too and getting in trouble? Knock on wood, I never got arrested bombing. Great, it's good. You know, yeah. I got I got caught racking once. Oh shit, stealing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, me, it was myself, Ja, and uh, then went out. We we drove out to Long Island to uh, to a Kmart. Oh shit! And this is when they started to get like wise to what they were doing. Yeah. To what graffiti writers are doing, and we basically. We basically filled up a shopping cart. We went to do the regular walk it through the garden center thing, yeah. which we used to always get away with. And they grabbed us. Oh, shit. And uh, yeah, but it was like, it was kind of like, I mean, these guys were such, oh, man. I, 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 I can't get out of it without shit talking. These guys, <laughs> not all of them, but one of them was such a tool. He, was, he wanted so bad to be a cop. Gotcha, yeah. You know? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, well, no, there's felony, this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, you know, looking at him, just like, I'm not saying a fucking word. Yeah. And then right after us, they bust this Guatemalan family who's basically, this family is stealing stuff for survival. Oh, shit. Okay? Yeah. And they bust the, they bust the whole family. And the parents are illegals. Oh, man. So this one dick cop is like, whoa, we're going to call in INS. And I was like, and I couldn't hold it. I was like, wow, Captain Kmart, aren't you fucking proud of yourself? You're going <laughs> to fucking, you're going to, you're going to fucking disintegrate a family. You're fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. And he just, he gives me this hard look and I'm like, I wish you would. Mm -hmm. I said, give me a chance to, uh, to up this to a real felony and beating your ass to the ground. Damn. You know? Yeah. I was like, J.A. was fucking like flipping out on him being like, let them the fuck go. Wow. They're a fucking family. I mean, they had like a, a five-year-old girl, a seven-year-old boy, a ten-year-old boy, and these people were stealing. They were basically boosters. They were stealing so they could resell it. Oh, okay, gotcha. You know? Yeah. And it was like we were just—I I was just like—I wanted this guy to get loud with me because I would have just fucking like beat him over, beat him over the head with a chair I was chained to. Fuck. You know? Yeah. But what was disgusting about it is that they basically. They had the cops come in. The cops came in to pick up me and J.A. Yeah. And which the, the cops looked at this guy like he was a total douchebag. They're like, <laughs> you're really going to, you're really calling in federal for this family. Fuck. And they were just looking at him like, oh, my God. And the cops took us down to the precinct house. We called up like we called up a relative of Jay that lived out there. Yeah. They came, picked us up, and the cops were like, "Yeah, you're not going to get a felony for stealing spray paint." Oh, that's all. Yeah. You know, and we never heard it. We ne knock on wood, never heard of it. Heard from it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that was the only time I'd ever been arrested for anything graffiti related. Mm -hmm. I've been chased. Um, I've been almost apprehended, but I've never <laughs> knocked on. No, and no, here's the thing about it too, because I know that I do have fairly close enough ties to Danny and enough guys who were still current, current graffiti writers that these words probably will fall on the radar of Vandal Squad. But yo, statute of limitations, guys. And you know, even at 51 year old, 51 years old, I don't know if they have anybody that can outrun me. Wow. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're, you're I in good shape. Yeah. I stay in shape for such situations. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're in, you know? you're in great shape. Fucking, 
yeah, it's not that I'm going to go out bombing tonight. You know, it's not, it's nothing that even really, you know, appeals to me, but it's like, you know, you know, I just think, I think when you're talking about graffiti as a crime, I think there's far worse things out there. hundred percent. And when, when did you stop doing that? Like stop writing graffiti? I stopped after Shane died. Okay. Yeah. After Shane died, we went out on one big last bomb. We hit a bunch of trucks. It was me, Ghost, J.A., then uh, Nike, Reese, Smith, Enough. It was a whole fucking squad of them. I think Damn. Scott was even with us. And uh, we went and hit this truck, this truck yard out in, uh, out in Flushing. Yeah. And then after that, I was just done. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. You know? You ran graffiti during your music yeah. career, correct? For sure, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. During yeah. part of it, yeah. I mean, and that's the funny thing, too, is that recently everybody thought that Die 116 was sane. Sane was doing, like, Die 116 pieces. Mm. Die 116 was after Sane. I named Die 116. I named that band Die 116 in tribute to David Smith. Okay. Yeah, I was going to yeah. ask you where they came from, for sure. It was on my list. Yeah. Because Die 116, that's what we used to joke and jokingly call 116th Street is where you went to die because that's where you used to get all our drugs. Wow. You could get you could get cocaine, you could get space base, which is basically crack into a in a in, in a blunt. You could get PCP. Uh, you get so much just ridiculously bad, 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 wonderful things for you. So, so okay, um, let, let's go to that then. So when when did that happen? Like, were you when did you get involved in drugs and shit? Hold and I've always been involved in drugs. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I've oh. always been involved in drugs. Um, my mom, like I said, my mom had cancer. Yeah. So I had morphine, sulfate, tons of alcohol, and Percocet around the house all the time. Wow. So any any even like bouts of here, here's the thing about it, and I'm not meaning to turn this into a fucking AA pitch. No, I know. But I think I think from the point in my life where I learned that if I spun around enough times, I could get dizzy. I was doing that until I fell down. Anything I could do to get out of my head. Cause gotcha. that's all it was. That's all guitar. That's all music is. Yeah. Music is just me trying to get out of my fucking head. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's all, that's all, you know, martial arts is martial arts is just me trying to get out of my head, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Trying to get out of like, you know, like Van Vlakistan, as I call it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> but yeah, drugs, drugs have always, yeah, drugs have always been like something that's been in my life. And even for the bouts of like, maybe like it was six months of sobriety or like a couple of years of not doing stuff. It was always, it was a tool that I had that basically kind of stopped me from fucking doing worse to myself. Gotcha. You know, yeah. until, until those, those tools didn't work anymore. And then I needed to learn real tools, which is basically what, you know, through, you know, the program of, you know, the program of AA, which I'm, you know, 17 year card carrying member of AA. Oh, that's awesome. You know, man. that's, yeah, that's, you know, you know, I'm, and, you know, I'm, I'm a sober guy, but it's like, to me, I didn't get sober. So I could just be like, oh my God, I have to get to a meeting because I was that way. I mean, I have to find a dealer. I have to get a drink. Yeah. I don't want to be a half to person. Yeah. You know, did you ever almost overdose or anything bad or? Um, Close calls. Probably, but I was probably passed out. I think the closest I came to dying from any of it was the DTs after, after with, like the withdrawal from alcohol. 
mm. and which uh, John John Jesse from Nausea was the person who basically like walked me through that and took me to my first meeting. Wow. Like he basically came in, helped me get fucking dressed, fucking dragged me to a meeting and like basically for my first three weeks was like just dragging me out to meetings. Like, come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. Wow. You That's know, a good friend, man. Yeah. Cause how, he's someone also who got sober, you know, how old were you then? Do you remember? Uh, so I was 30, just turning 33. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. You, I mean, you, you, you know, and I, go ahead. I tried to get sober a bunch of times, but it just didn't stick. You know? Yeah. You know, the bottom is, the bottom is only dictated at when your rate of descent exceeds your ability to lower your standards. And I had to wait till my standards got really fucking low. Mm. Yeah. Fuck. Cause it seems like you were like, you maintain like, it, it, did it really fuck up your life? Like your party in life? I mean, cause you still had a career in music and, um, Oh, it, it took every, it took everything away and working out. Okay. Relation, relationships, music, everything. Mm. Like at one point at the very end of it, I, I, I was in this, in this squat. And at this point there wasn't the building that's next door to us. There was just a garden. And basically I was having Chinese food, and drugs and beer just delivered to my house. I was a total shut-in. Wow. Yeah. I didn't leave the house for like maybe two and a half months. Holy shit. Yeah. Did I you... mean, but granted, I have the back I have the back deck. I would go on the back deck. Like, I would get fresh air, but I didn't have, like, I was just a shut-in. Yeah. No one wanted to deal with me anymore. I can't blame them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You burned some bridges back then, probably because of drugs and alcohol. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Hells yes. Damn. And you, yeah. think, you think that all stems back to your That's, childhood and everything? That's where everything comes from? I'm not that smart. I don't know. Yeah. I just know that when I finally hit the bottom, that's when I was ready to get sober. And what keeps me sober is that uh, I don't think, I don't, I don't want to test whether I have the fortitude to come back. You know, yeah. people are like, oh, you know, you know, you don't think you could have a beer. I'm like, oh, I damn well know I could have a beer. You know, I can, can I have a beer? Sure, I can have a beer. And I might not go out today, but could very easily within the next six months be right back to where I was. And I saw too many situations of when I first got sober, people who were sober that went out and didn't come back and ended up dead. Yeah. And I'm not uh, I'm not done with everything I want to do in my life right now. Yeah. Fuck, man. That's fucking crazy, man. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. So, okay, now we're back a little bit. So, back to music. Um, Obviously, New York Hood, you played your shows. That, that was only, wasn't a long, uh, you weren't in that band for a long time. And then up next is Absolution, which I feel like, yep. like, like you said before, is um, it, this, 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 its own style. Like, everything about that band, musically, his vocals, the stage presence, it was something, it was something hardcore, but it was more than that. I feel like it was kind of, yeah, ahead of its time with the sound, you know what I mean? And the oh, absolutely, vibe. absolutely, Very spiritual absolutely. and yeah. And so you know, and that was go ahead. That was where we were at that point. I mean, that was like very much. If you know anything about Gingy Brown, who I think is probably one of the best front people ever in New York hardcore history, I, 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 would, um, I, would, I would say very underrated too. Like he's not really talked about as yeah. much as other people, and he should be. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't, the thing about Gingy, what makes him cool to this day, he doesn't care. Yeah. You know, he yeah. loves, he loves New York hardcore. 
he loves New York street culture because yeah. he comes, he's a him, like him and Sergio Vega are the perfect products of New York street culture. I agree. You know, and, uh, you know, and to this, I mean, he, he wakes up in the morning, he has a boxing gym down in Miami that he runs that he's passionate about. He does his house music. He DJs, you know, I fucking, I, I talk with Ginger like once a week. I, I have clients that go down and train with him. Awesome. Um, and he, he's fucking, you know, and like once every six months I get hits for like, Hey, you guys want to do an absolution show? And as business protocol, I don't turn them down. I reach out to Ginger first. I'm like, we got an offer to do the show. Do you want to do it? Cause I won't, I yeah. know he's going to say no, but I'm not going to go. I'm not going to turn the show down without his okay first. Totally. Because that is, that is the partnership. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, so that, that like, that's, you know, like we talk on a regular basis. Um, and he's very much doing his thing. And like New York hardcore is an important part of his life. Is yeah. it his life anymore? No, but yeah. important part. Hell yes. Yeah. Did you guys you start know? that band together? Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. And, yeah. Um, you just, you just met him in the scene, right? That's how you guys met. I, I, I had known Gingy and Sergio and I like Gingy, Sergio, and Jorge from uh, from uh, the Casualty. Got you. Used to hang out all the time. Wow. You know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like back was like eighty six, eighty seven. Yeah. And like you know, we were always, always really super tight friends. It's awesome. And like when we started Absolution, um, at that point there was this band called Life's Blood, which I'm sure everybody's yep. heard of. Yep. They were fucking amazing. They had just broken up, and the members from Life's Blood had started to do a band called collapse in which yep. I had basically the guys. So now I was like, you, you got to beat my boy, Sergio. He's a bass player. He's fucking amazing. And yeah. And that was that. And then, you know, from there, from collapse, Sergio went onward to quicksand and, you know, you can talk to Sergio about his life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, um, so but yeah, when, when so I, that was always like my, go ahead. what? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Those were always, those were like, you know, my immediate friends. And when I came back at that point to New York, I was, uh, you know, I wanted to do, I had this music written and uh, I talked to Gingy about it. And I was like, do you want to do some music? So um, there was this drummer, Greg Johnston, who had played with a band called Slam Whitman from Ohio. Uh-huh. And then Alan Peters, who just left Agnostic Fudge. So we basically put it in a room and we rehearsed rapidly. We were rehearsing like five days a week. Damn. You know, before we played our first show. Um, and our first show was actually sick of it all. Let us go out on stage and play four songs. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Wow. Right before them. And that was like the set off. And then we did shows. We did like the, the, the like legendary, to my opinion, legendary show uh, at Lucky 13 with Nausea. Oh, wow. Which was fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like Absolution was one of those bands, like, if you could fit us in the room, we'd play. Exactly. You know? You know? How was your reaction? How was your reaction? How was your reaction when you guys came out? Because you guys definitely had a different vibe. Was it an immediate reaction that people loved it? Was it. Do you um, remember? It was, it was interesting because people didn't know what to make of it at first. Yeah. But at, at that point, um, I think our seal of approval was when Luke Kohler dived off the stage. 
That's <laughs> sick. And people just all of a sudden, it was just kind of like, it's as ridiculous as it is, all of a sudden people went nuts. Wow. You know? That's because awesome. you've seen that happen. Yeah. You've seen that happen. People are kind of like, people are, I don't know what, oh, hold it. He likes it? Okay, and I can like it. Wow. You know? Yeah, 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 for as, sure. As much as, as much as we like to be think that we're like open-minded and free and free thinking, yeah, we tend to worry about what others are going to think if we like something that they don't like. Yeah, for sure. That's you know. Crazy. So he like shit. Lou said Lou did a dive. I'm like okay, good. He fucking almost almost verified. Yeah, Lou. Verified Lou, it, Lou yeah. yeah, Lou dived off stage. Carl Carl Demola went off stage. Um, yeah, and it was like kind of like we had. We had already kind of had entourage like Fern. Yeah. Um, I mean, you were there, you were there too because you were like part of the fucking all. Yeah, and it was like you know, it was like, and I think it was also because those guys and Lou had also been to a couple of our rehearsals, so he knew some of the songs. Yeah. You know, like New Morality, the riff to New Morality was actually the Absolution intro. Oh shit. That. Love that shit. And when we started that, yeah, when we started that off, when that kicked in, Lou went off stage and the place just went fucking CDs went ape shit. Sick. Yeah. I love that, man. I love that. Yeah. I I was saying, uh, you know, I was saying to Chaka that like Absolution and Burn, they had this like tribal vibe to it. Like it was just, it was spiritual, but it was so hard and had these breakdowns and it's like this aggressiveness to it and like, it was something so unique, man. It's and it's never been. Yeah, yeah well, it happened again. You know, there's a certain passion that goes into it with when there's certain chemistries on stage. Yeah, you know, there's a certain there's a certain passion that gets put put across, most definitely. Yeah, it was definitely ahead of its yeah. time. Um, and then how long was Absolution for? How many how many years did that band go for? Um, I think it was like a year and a half, two years. Wow. Half. It's crazy. We look back on these bands. You're like like the impact and like part of the heart, the hardcore history. And they really, Oh shit, just a year and a half. That's not even long compared to it's no, crazy compared. If you, if you look at a band like, you know, Gnostic front 40 years. Yeah. yeah. Gnostic front 40 fucking years. Dude. Yeah. You know, it's crazy, man. God bless those dudes. Dude, the best. Yeah. I mean, fucking still kill it. Yeah. It, it's amazing to see that. You, can you imagine even thinking about it back then? Like, Oh yeah, it's going to happen. Like you're just doing bands with your friends, you know, like, a part of this moment and then it becomes your life forever it's it's yeah. crazy man it's pretty awesome um yeah it's so it's so crazy so what what happened, what happened so so i have a question too like during during like absolution obviously i guess burn what were you doing besides that were you like doing different jobs or like we just trying to do music uh oh i was working in nightclubs okay yeah that's what i've written down like hip-hop clubs yeah, was- and shit right yeah, I was working in nightclubs. I was working as a bar back at a bunch of really, at that point, really like posh, cool, like nightclubs. Wow. You know? Yeah. And which hip, was hip hop world too, right? Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, a little bit in the, the hip hop world was different because it was kind of like, you know, we'd go out after work and we'd end up like save the robots. Yep. And like, you know, you'd always end up like, you know, you'd go there and like, you know, like uh, DMC would be at Save the Robots, and this is before he got sober, wow. and like it was just crazy. Or like you know, like you see like Rakim would be there, or Damn. you know any number of any number of fucking people would be at that you know at that venue. 
That's amazing. Which was so fucking yeah, infamous to say the least. Yeah, you big hip hop. Um, you big hip hop kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, I don't know how you can be into hardcore and not into hip hop. Yeah, but it's so hard to explain to people. Culture. I know, but yeah, that's what I was trying to explain to my friend today. He, he was trying. He's like, I don't, I don't understand how the hip hop and the punk rock came together. I said, Well, I feel like New York. It was the main spot that they really happened. Everything kind of merged together. Way before the internet, way before like all, everything is everything is merged now with like hip hop and punk rock and skateboarding. But back then, I just feel like I don't know. It just it was the new it was the time in New York, I guess. I don't know. The yeah, well, I mean, well, we'll see. But here's the thing about it: is everybody talks about like, oh, you know, when Public Enemy did that thing with Anthrax, which no, no, nah. no, 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 African Bombada and the Clash, motherfuckers. Yeah, you know, it's like let's be real about this. You know, it's like. That's you know, true. and I'm don't don't get me wrong. I think Public Enemy is one of the most important musical acts ever. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, but Africa Bombada, um, Grandmaster Grandmaster Flash, uh, you know, performing with you know opening opening for the Clash. Yeah. You know. Yeah. This shit was like you know because people talk about like when we did the shows with like KOS One. Yeah. You know that wasn't that wasn't new. That wasn't new at all. No. That had been done. Like, Joe Strummer had already curated that shit. Yeah, but... You know? think, yeah. And the whole thing is what that, that breaks down to is it's, it's street culture. Yeah. Whether it's black, whether it's white, it's street culture. It's a socioeconomic factor mm -hmm. that makes that music really, really kind of like... It, that gives it its passion and its drive. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And those are the things that make make it really, really common i mean if you think about um let's draw up the feeling you get off of you know and there are a couple of years apart but remember the first time you the first time you heard straight out of compton yeah there's a, the same feeling i got the first time i heard the chromax demo yeah there you go yeah you know it was like wow this is some fucking energy you know even like not to punks fuck off fucking, yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean that's what it's it's beyond the tonality and the musicality of it. It's there's there's a there's some kind of intrinsic vibration there that just mm -hmm. makes them both you know very very to me like they're they're fucking peanut butter and jelly, man. Yeah. They go great together. Yeah, it was so cool you know? and like They go great they go great together, but there are, we got to say there are some situations where maybe we shouldn't have done it. You know, we're not going to name names, mm -hmm. but, you know, um, yeah. you know. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, like, you know. I loved KRS-One on the, on the Sick of It All album. That was so sick, that intro. Yeah. So Yeah, great. and exactly. And that's what I think made that they're both at that point socially relevant. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so so how long was your gap in between Absolution and Burn? Like, was that a quick? I, I probably minutes. <laughs> really? Um, Damn. Yeah, I mean, I think I actually started talking with Chaka about doing something because I told him, like, you know, because he was one of those guys in the pit. I was like, yeah, the pit dancing you know, for Absolution. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, you really should be fronting a band. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
or doing something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so we got, we, we got to work on that right afterwards. And at that point, like I had gotten asked to go out to try to do something musically with Dan O'Mahony. Oh, wow. Out in California. Go for an answer. Which I went out there and it was weird because we, like, it just, the vibe wasn't there. And I love Dan. Dan's a good friend of mine. But musically, musically, the vibe just didn't, it didn't click. What year was that? We're, we're, Oh man, I was like eighty nine. Holy shit! Okay, yeah. And so I spent like a couple months out in Huntington Beach, like with the Slothcrew dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you know, and like you know, you know, all all praises go to like Sterling from No for an Answer and Zach De La Roche for fucking you know chaperoning me through the various like crazy house parties and fucking yes. Huntington Beach and all that shit and like you know. <laughs> um, just all those guys are such characters, like, you know, yeah. Sundahl and like, you know, all of them just fucking great dudes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, you know, um, and I ended up coming back here and, uh, like Bird was still, they were still trying to find guitarists. I was like, well, you know, if the spot's there, you know, if you'll have me, we'll do it. So we put that together. We did it. We, you know, we got to work on music. And, awesome. uh, you know, that was, oh, that was all written on, on power street in, uh, Williamsburg at that point, mm-hmm. you know, and it was written there that it was rehearsed at 81 South Sixth street, which we all live there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, recorded under duress at Don Fury studios, like we all did, yeah. you know, you know, you book four, you book four hours, Don shows up half hour late, hungover. <laughs> you know, but that's how it was done. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I'm not flagging Don for it. Yeah, Don knew his fucking shit. Don, Don knew his board. He could do. He could afford that. You know, he he killed it. You know, we we get in there, and the thing that I think made all of that stuff great was the urgency. Yeah, it was such an urgency to record to get to get your voice across. Yeah, no, totally. And that's you know? when that seven inch came out. Man, that was a fucking. I don't know. I feel like that was like a game changer. I don't know. It was just absolution was absolution. Too, it, was, it, was, it was it was weird when it came out. People accused us of being way too metal, which I don't know. Wow. I mean, what? How is metal a bad? You know, like you know, it's mm-hmm. like you know, oh, it's too metal. And I guess it's weird because you know because we were on Revelation. Revelation did have a. And it started to have that branding of being like the straight edge label. Totally. But people forget, like, what's up? Yeah, yeah. people forget. You, I think what the, the the real the real fucking Slipknot, um, like that Slipknot seven inch that came out, mm. which to me is one of the greatest unknown records, um, was really fucking metal. And oh, it's like, label, yeah. you know, and it's like it's just weird because it's like. You know, it's like if I look for, I look at, I look at Burn, and then we got accused when we first came out of being too metal, and no one, no, no one gave Earth Crisis or Snapcase any shit for being as metal as they were, and those guys were fucking metal. Yeah, you know? but, yeah, but I guess I you, love those guys, but yeah. they were fucking metal. <laughs> yeah, but you guys and unapologetically. Yeah, but you guys came out first, though. What year was that? I mean, shit. Oh, uh, that was that was eighty nine ninety. Yeah, you know, and it was like, um. But it was like, I mean, to me, it wasn't metal because at that point, too, it was like, 
what I was listening to was a lot more like industrial, weird, yep. you know, like killing joke and ministry. <laughs> and, a, yeah. you know, it was like, you know, super weird. Synth- like, like that, that was one of the things I got from uh, Tom Capone, TC3PO, yeah. was like steel, steel synthesizer lines. You know, he's like, yeah. listen to synthesizer lines and just put a distortion pedal on him. And I was like, holy fuck, he's right. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just like this way of creating. Yeah. You know, because all, all artists theft. Totally. You know? He's a great and, guitar uh, player, though, man. T- TC3, man, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, he's an awesome, great, awesome guitar player. His but sound. yeah, it was like, uh, but we were called people like, oh, you're too metal. And I, it was weird because I remember hearing that and I was kind of like heartbroken. And I don't know what... What saved me from that was Alan just going like, fuck those people. Because <laughs> that's, that, that's exactly what Alan Cage has always been with fuck those people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And Who I was cares? like, yeah, he's right. So we just, we just did what we did. Yeah. You know? And it went over great, right? The, I mean, your first shows was, was it? Yeah. 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 The first shows were like, were awesome. You know, the first shows were awesome. We, we played some, you know, we played a bunch of like what are considered legendary shows, you know, like yeah. at the marquee yep. at the airport music hall. At, That's you crazy know, story. Fucking, yeah, uh, told that one. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Airport music hall was fucking just, and, 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 that to me, quite honestly, that is, I, I don't know if anybody else in the band would agree with it, but that to me is burning its best element. Hmm. You know, for the people when, listening, when it was like he, crazy he, Nazis at the show. For the people listening, it's it was oh crazy. yeah, yeah, that's burning its best element when we're playing to a totally like a a crowd that is not, you know, they 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 are not fans of us. <laughs> they do not love us. Yes, you know, yeah, that to me is everything. I like that. That to me is like you know that's that's some fucking real shit. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, what was the place uh, in Reading? Unisound. Unisound, yeah. We played there, and I, I remember one, uh, this is one of the most punk situations ever. Because <laughs> we, showed we, we showed up a little bit late. We, we were playing with Black Train Jack. Yep. And, uh, and we showed up a little bit late, and we, we, we weren't even right, supposed to go on. Like, Black Train Jack was just going on, but Jake, who owned it, saw it as a reason to try to cut our pay. Oh shit. And being like, I'm not paying you the whole amount. I'm like, I was like, but we're playing a whole set. I don't get it. You guys are late. You weren't here for soundtrack. And I'm like, well, that's our fucking liability. Yeah. And, uh, and like we're, we're set up and I'm still arguing with Jake. I'm still arguing with Jake and Alan grabs the mic. Cause you know, Jake grabs the mic and goes like, Burns not our friends because they're trying to make us. They're trying to make us pay more than you know. Are you serious? And Alan grabs him. Alan grabs the mic out of his hand and goes, "Okay, Jake, give the kids back all their money. We'll play for free." Oh shit! And I just looked at Chalk and looked at Alan. I was like, "Yeah, I'm down. I'm getting fucked." And Jake was like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh." We and fucking like all mayhem ensued then because like Stack and Joey Rod just started trashing the joint. Wow! It was it was fucking. It was wonderfully chaotic, but uh, <laughs> yeah, amazing. yeah. Alan, Alan was funny. that was one of the Alan was just so funny. He's like, "Give them all their money back. We'll play for free." Damn, man. you know, that's yeah. so crazy. Like you could get trying to tax you for like not making sound check. That is insane, dude. 
It's crazy. Well, it's just fucking weird. It's just weird. Yeah. He was. I mean, he was, and reputedly, that was a fucking weird dude. Anyways. Yes. But uh, you know, the first time I ever played there, we went to the back room, the dressing room, and there was some like thirteen-year-old kid with his shirt off and like a weight set and a bench bench pressing, and I'm just kind of like, this is creepy. You know. You're working <laughs> like, out. Like, wow. What? What the fuck is going on here? Oh um, shit! You know, hardcore man. These fucking venues, crazy man. Yeah, and then uh, I'm trying to think. Um, oh god, oh god, what was that awesome Randy Now's venue down in uh, South Jersey in Trenton? As, uh, um, what was it called? Uh, fucking City Gardens. City Gardens. City Gardens. Yes, man. That venue. I, Classic. I love that place. That place, that place too, had a lot of Nazi skinheads. They did, it did, man. Yep. He, 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 for being a multi, a multi ethnic man, and played in front of a lot of racists. That's so you know? crazy. It's yeah. so crazy, man. Um, and we sold fucking merch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. It's just funny. It's, you know, it's crazy, man. I, the, yeah. the Nazi thing really—that shit didn't fly in New York, man. Nope. It did not fly nope. in New York, man. Especially in New York City or CBS. It's, it's crazy how how Can't. how would like right out right out the right out the tunnel how close you know, he can find mm-hmm. people like that. But like Manhattan, uh, it ain't happening. Um But you know what's funny? I've met guys who were involved in that shit through the fight scene mm. who have totally gone one totally gone one eighty. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? Sure. To- totally gone one eighty, like there's one person who's actually involved in the New York hardcore scene right now who is, you know, a, I consider him a good friend. Yeah. And I remember training with him in Thailand and I'm there with like another one of my training partners who's Jamaican born black kid. And you know, this dude just like divulged their, like, everything. And I was like, yeah, I know, I know dude. You were, he was at the airport music hall show. And I was like, oh, dude, wow. it's all good. It's done. It's water under the bridge. Yeah. You know, it's like, I be, you know, you were a young kid and you were fucking impressionable. Yeah. And you can't hold someone for like that to their sins, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's like, turned it I'm around. a sucker. I'm a sucker. I'm, I'm a big fan of redemption. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So. No, I hear you. Um, when, you know, when, when yeah. is, so you're a brown belt, brown belt and jujitsu, jujitsu, brown belt and jujitsu. Yeah. How long have you had that title for? They call it a title. Um, I've been a brown belt for about a year now. Awesome. I was a purple belt for about four years. Yeah. Because I didn't get to train as when you open a gym, you don't get to train as much as you think you're gonna. Yeah. You know. But I love jujitsu. It's fun. You know. It's something that's very much an important part of my life. Yeah. And I love to do. Yeah. How long have you been doing it for? Community. Um, I started training jujitsu after I quit fighting Muay Thai. Well, no, after I quit fighting Muay Thai, I started doing judo. Oh wow! And I really okay. love judo. I really love judo, and I competed in judo, but I got really banged up in judo. Okay. Because one of the main things in judo is learning how to fall, and I was really good at throwing people, but I wasn't really good at falling. Oh, gotcha. So I got kind of banged up. So I started doing jujitsu which normally you start on the floor. I was like, Oh, this is good. I don't have to fall here. Yeah. So it's like, you know, um, and you know, I just started, you know, I started training as 
with Josh Griffith at Clockwork, which, you know, Josh is another old hardcore kid. Yep. And, you know, Josh is a good friend of mine. I fucking love the community there. Um, I mean, our black belt at Diamond, at PCC Diamond Heart is, he's a, he's a Clockwork black belt. Awesome. Um, you know, um, actually, three of my instructors out of there are all, they're all, uh, they're all out of clockwork. It's awesome. I just, I really like, um, I really like Josh's, uh, Josh's methodology. Okay. You know? From clockwork, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and then, like I said, the community is really fucking awesome. Yeah. And you, you have an associate's degree in Swedish, um, from a Swedish institute? At the Swedish institute, yep. For massaging, yep. yeah, that's awesome. In, e- in, East, in Eastern medicine, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. When you, that's awesome. Yep. So, yeah, you so. Give, so you give good massages, deep tissue. Um, I'm, I'm very good at massage, but I don't do it. Um, I only work on people that I am friends with. Yeah. Because I, I am like, I'm a transference magnet. I get a lot of fucking... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll pick up a lot of, uh, like someone's energy, mm. which can be a little bit problematic. Yeah. So, and honestly, fucking massage is a lot of fucking work. Yeah. I'm sure it's it is really, yeah. 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 And you're also, yeah, like, it you, takes, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you're also, you're a strength and conditioning expert pretty much too, right? That's, that's, I mean, that's my main thing right now is teaching Muay Thai. Yeah. And, uh, like working in strength and conditioning. Um, yeah. I'm working with a couple of, a couple of new athletes that I'm really, a couple of new, uh, female athletes that I'm really, really psyched on. That's awesome. One of, one of them, one of them I'm, I'm mentoring as a coach because we're talking about running, about possibly, possibly franchising PCC, opening another one in, this, in, a, in another town. Nice. And, uh, yeah, and then I'm working with this uh, with this pro athlete uh, Rebecca Bergman. She just fought. She just fought and lost on the last uh, Bellator in New York. Um, and uh, so she came to me. She's like, you know, what do you think's wrong? And I'm like, well, there's a few things we could work on. Um, she's great energy, just a really fucking awesome lady. Yeah. Um, and just fun to work with. You know, awesome. She's just she's she's also just another. She's a punk rock kid. You know, she's yeah. uh, you know super into cosplay and like just just a fucking fun person it's awesome just really just good energy yeah you also and you also train todd friend you've been you've been uh, training my drummer todd friend too oh yeah todd trades with us yeah todd, yeah. todd comes along great todd's like todd it's, the one thing i think todd needs though is more sleep <laughs> i don't think he's i don't think he's, i don't think i don't i think he sleeps a lot i don't think he sleeps well that's a really fucking great analogy of Todd Friend, actually. Yeah. Yeah, he sleeps a he, lot think, on tour, man. Yeah, but I think I think that his sleep is disturbed. Mm. So I think, like, and we've talked about this, like, how much do you wake up at night, this, that, and the other thing. Interesting. Um, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. He should get a sleep, that sleep know? app thing. You can check out all your yeah. sleep patterns, you know? Yeah, I mean, if I can put a plug in for anything like that, like anybody wants any kind of health advice from me, yep. the, the first thing I would say is to guard your sleep. Mm. Like set up a good sleep, uh, sleep like ritual before you go to bed. Like 
half hours. Don't don't fucking get on your phone. Don't watch TV. Stay off your computer for like forty five minutes before you go to bed. Yep. Um, and just really like do like do like some yoga. Do some meditation. Do something that's going to help settle your mind in. Because sleep is where we repair. Yeah. And if we're not fucking sleeping well, we're not fucking. You know, we're. Like, I don't care how hard you're training. Yep. It's you're you're kind of throwing it out. It affects everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, how many hours of sleep do you get per night? What's your like your goal? Um, sleep? myself, I get like usually I, I'm I'm one of those guys I can get by like six hours of sleep. Wow. But it has okay. to be good, solid REM cycle sleep. Yeah. Um, and there are times like like today. Today I got to sleep last night. I went out to dinner with a friend of mine. I got home last night about eleven. Um, did a little bit of movement. Got to bed by eleven thirty. And today I I just didn't get out of bed till about seven thirty. Just stayed in bed nice. and just relaxed. That's great. You know, just chill, chilled with the dog, which I have a king size bed. And my dog takes up most of it. Yeah. He's not even that big. He's only like <laughs> 75 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I, I feel like some people, the first thing they look at is their phone and the last thing they look at their phone. And it's definitely, there's yeah. too much shit going on I mean, for your brain to do that, I think. I, I totally agree with that. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's too much things happening yeah, at once. It's, it's fucking... It's yeah. sending, it's sending, it's sending the wrong signal. Um, and then what? What about this? I, I read about this thing too. Um, you did this with your cousin, the art of intimidating life. You did like, you wrote the soundtrack for it. You like performed in it. Like, it's a, it's a movie, correct? Um, that never came off. Oh wow! I was supposed to work on the soundtrack on that. Um, it never got funding. Oh wow! You know, it kind of like, yeah, it went the way of a lot of a lot of. A lot, a lot of LA screenplays, man. Yeah, online, you know? online, it online a, looks like it actually happened. It's interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No. No. I have. I have not been in touch with that. I know. Yeah. Matt Brown. Matt Brown, who's my cousin. Yeah. Was working on that, and I had written some material for it, but nothing came to fruition of that. Hmm. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Good and to I know. I think he's back in Texas now. Um. Yeah. So, so how many how many years was Burn? Like, how, how long did Burn go for? Well, I mean, you guys are still playing on and up, but um, when, when the final the final straw for the the Burn when, when did that, when did that end? Ninety uh, something, like ninety. Uh, shit. Oh, ninety. Like, oh, after that's a ninety two. Ninety three. Yeah. And then yeah. everybody kind of went their separate ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chaka went and did Orange Nine Millimeter. Yep. I did Dial One Sixteen. Yep. Um, Pry, Big Cloud. You know, Alan, Alan, Alan was in quicksand at that point. That's right. Uh, yeah, and Alex had started playing with Ian Love and Engine. That's right. Ian Love. Shout to Ian Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a man that doesn't get mentioned enough. Who's behind the scenes and a lot of amazing projects, man. Shout out to Ian Love because I remember meeting him with Chaka and you guys way back in the day, and. Uh, He's always like kind of the man behind the scenes. Nobody really talks about Ian Love, and he, he's, he's got a big he's part of music. Some of the, some of the, he has written some of the most beautiful music I've ever heard in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean he and, he, and he's not he's not doing music anymore. He's doing uh, he's doing landscape architecture. Oh wow! Yeah, he's still in New York, obviously. Yeah, yeah. His uh, him him his wife and his daughter live in Carroll Gardens. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'd lo love to see him again. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen him, man. Like he was. A super talented kid. He'd do beats. He'd do hardcore. He'd do everything off his apartment. I remember oh, that shit. Everything, yeah. Yeah. So talented. 
Um, so talented. So shout out to Ian Love for sure. Um, so so Di, so Die One Sixteen came first before Pry. Oh yeah. Yeah. Was that Pry was with John Mark too, right? Yeah, with John Mark, who's in uh. Uh, God, who, what's the name of the band he's in he's there? He's a huge band. Uh, uh, oh, yes, they're tiny, 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 tiny little band. Um, they do <laughs> weddings and bar mitzvahs. Um, it was a spinoff. Um, Max, what's the band spinoff from Slipknot? The other band. The other band. Sour, Stone, Stone Sour. Thank you, Max. Stone Sour, yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's, that's the funny thing about it is that Chris, that, that band is basically made up of hardcore kids. Roy Mayorga, yes. John Mark Betchel, and Christian. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. Damn. You know, I, I, yeah, and, and dude, it's funny because like we, on the last burn tour, we were out with Comeback Kid. We were kind of town for town with those guys, and like every show, like like John Mark would be like, "Yeah, come on down, come on down." And like Corey was nothing but fucking nice, great guys. Everybody oh, yeah. was really fucking sweet. Yeah, that's my and, son's uh, favorite. My son's favorite band is Slipknot. That's his favorite band. Favorite of all time. Okay, get out of here, Max. Love you. Um, yeah, favorite, favorite of all. Oh. I miss throwing you in the snowbanks. Yo, Gavin said he missed throwing you in snowbanks. You remember that? He's throwing snow, but Gavin, Bert. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Max said he loves you. He's going to the meet some friends. Um, yeah, that's so funny. That was so fucking. Funny. Um, yeah. So yeah, Slipknot, dude. So I, I'm learning about all this music through my son, like stuff that he didn't hear from me and Moon, like old hip hop, punk rock, hardcore, whatever. Moon listened to Oi Blues, but he found his own yeah. shit with like. Fit for an autopsy, Slayer, Slipknot, Stone Side. He loves all this shit. And so last night I brought him to go see Slayer, which I've only seen maybe one song one time. But last night I took him to see Slayer. It's their last show ever. And just seeing him and his friends going off, it was so fucking psyched. And I respect Slayer. I, you know, I know of them. I, obviously, all the history. I, absolutely. I, I'm in the same boat, dude. But I couldn't name I knew one or two songs, but like... It's cool because he's introducing me to shit that I really would never, I never listened to, you know? Um, yeah. Um, Chris, Chris Enriquez from Revolver reached out to me to do, he's like, can you do a quote about Slayer? I'm like, I can, but they're not really in my wheelhouse. He goes, well, you're just a good writer. Could you give me something? I was like, yeah, sure. And it was funny because he went at Sergio too. And Sergio was like, well, I'll hold off until you ask me to do something for like Sheila E. <laughs> <laughs> That's total Sergio, you know? Sheila E. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah, but, just uh, it, it was cool. Yeah, I mean, it was a great show, but yeah. So hold it. Where was the show last night? It was at the Forum. It was um, Phil Ensemble from Pantera had like this. It was him and like a bunch of people, yeah. and they were doing their own Pantera songs. And then it was uh, Primus and Ministry, and then Slayer. It was at the it was at the Forum last night. It was our last show. Oh ever. yeah, that's what was that? That was at the Garden here. A couple, yeah. Yeah. Did you yeah. see? Did you see Misfits at the Garden? Nah, wow. no interest. I hear you. I hear you. Misfits, misfits, misfits are not meant for the garden. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Mm. They're not meant for the garden. The biggest venue I think the misfits could ever be good at is like a, a, a marquee Irving Plaza kind of, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, Danzig at the garden. Yeah. Danzig was made to be a, a big stadium rock act, yeah. but the misfits no, that doesn't. Yeah. And you know, everyone's going to poo poo me and be like, Oh, fuck you, Gavin. Yeah. Fuck me. Whatever. I mean, quite honestly, I think to me their best record was Earth AD, which is the one that everybody doesn't like. But then my favorite Motorhead record is Another Perfect Day, which is another one that nobody ever even likes. Mm, so, got you. 
That that's another band. That's another band. That I feel like a poser. Like I know Lemmy. I know like Ace of Spades, but I never it was never on my radar, man. And I re, I know I respect the work you put in, and you know, and rest I, in lo- peace. I, lo- I love I love Motorhead for what they were. Yeah. Yeah. I just I ne- it just never was on my my thing, man. But yeah, I respect it. Um. So w- is it safe to say the Big Collapse was probably the one of the biggest bands you were in? Biggest bands I was in? No. I mean, but was it? Um, didn't, didn't the big claps do really, really well? I just feel like the big claps had like, I don't know, man. I remember? I mean, I, I mean, okay, okay. Since since Absolution burned, Die One Sixteen, probably we were we were we were very busy. Yeah, we well, did maybe, a lot maybe of did the work. most tour. Okay, did the most touring. Okay, yeah, we did the most touring. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think, I think for what was the problem was is that they didn't know how to. Yeah, man. Quite honestly, I'll tell you what. If Josh had just done Big Collapse on his own and sold it as Josh Luca, I think he would have been a fucking star. Mm. This is Josh from Shift, everybody. I, yeah. 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 I think if he had just gone in and done that whole record and done it as like a Josh Luca solo record, mm. I think it would have been much bigger than him going in and being like, oh, Big Collapse is the next thing. Because Josh Josh has such a great voice and he's such a great songwriter. Yeah. Um, and that's not taking anything away from Kyle and Matt. I think he's super talented musicians. But or you. I think yeah. that that... Um, I think that... Well, I, that's another band that I played bass in. And if you listen to that fucking... Uh, if you listen to that record, I mean, I'm like buried in the mix. Because mm. the bass stuff I do there... Like... Anybody who knows how I play bass, they listen to the Die One Sixteen stuff. Yeah, like the Dynacool, the Dynacool stuff that Manny did was the stuff that I had written for that. Right, you know, it's like yeah, and it's not taking anything away from Manny, but like I'm I'm an extremely vocal bass player, so yep. to speak. Okay, um, you know, and I orchestrate with the bass. Um, but yeah, I think I mean not that Josh is not musically successful. He's a, he's he's a jingle writer now. And he's killing it. Yeah, I heard that. I heard I'm that. I'm happy for him. And Josh is fucking. I love Josh. This is a person. Yeah. Um, him and Matt, I think they're just fucking great guys. Good I think Matt moved to Florida. I'm not sure what Matt's doing. Um, but uh, yeah, Josh is still out there, and he's you know I think he's on his I think he on his, might be on his second kid now. That's amazing, man. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so. Um, so big collapse. But yeah, that was yeah. like we. Yeah. We did a lot of touring. Yeah, you did. I, I remember you know, that. You know, and then after that, again, I I put down the guitar for maybe two fucking three years after that, dude. Damn. Like I wrote a little bit, but didn't really fucking you know. Yeah, I was just so fucking like beaten up. No, I hear you. It's um, definitely dreaming. You, know, you know, you know what it's like. Totally, dude. I talked to everybody that just came off the last tour cycle. Like you guys were all sick, fucking yeah. sick of it all. Sick of it all is like a a bundle of sports injuries. Yeah, you know. Um, it's true. Yeah, and it's like you know. Plus, we're getting older. I like man. waking it's up next different. to my dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I um, like waking up next to my dog. I like having coffee in my kitchen. <laughs> Yo, I just started drinking coffee. You know? Started drinking coffee like three and a half weeks ago. I've never. I've had it here and there throughout my whole life. It's like my first quote unquote drug. I fucking love it. I have one yeah. black coffee every day. Changed my life, dude. I love it, man. There you go. 
It balances me. For some reason, balances me. My spazziness. It really just. I don't know, I, I go on a, I drink a coffee, I do like a hundred push-ups. I go for a run. Like, I don't know. I just feel alive. Maybe, maybe it's a, maybe it's a drug for me because I never had anything in my body that was anything like that. I don't know, man. It's weird. I fucking love it. Well, it's not a, it's something, it's something new for your body to adapt to. Is it good for me? You know? And it's, yeah, yeah, no, okay. absolutely. I, mean, I read some like, things. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you'll read, you'll read things on both sides of the, totally. uh, both sides of the ticket constantly. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's also, as we get older, I mean, we have to get our supplementation game on. Yep. Because our bodies don't create. I mean, and now, I mean, now they're making, especially I think like for yourself and for other vegan athletes, start looking into like vegan forms of glutathione, vegan forms of creatine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, super, you. super important. Yeah. Especially for performers. Yeah. Guys who perform like you do on stage. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, it's, it's a game changer. Okay. I need you that. Know? I appreciate that. I, I was. I also. Yeah. I also read that like, if you're taking iron supplements, you, you're, not, you're supposed to take them. If you have coffee, you can't have a coffee within an hour or two from having an iron supplement because it just takes it just depletes the whole thing. I read that recently. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, true. Take, okay. I mean, I'm 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 a big fan of. I I take my most of my supplementation first thing in the morning okay. with a huge glass of water. I don't eat. I don't eat. I don't eat first thing. Like I usually have my first meal around. After midday, intermediate fasting type shit. Yeah, I mean that, that's kind. Of, I mean, I've been doing it like that for years. Yeah, and it was great. introduced to me as that, but now it's just it's just the way it's just the protocol that I follow. Yeah. Um, you know, I tend to eat way more plant based. I love that. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm definitely an omnivore, and I will probably be unless something comes across the radar where I have to totally take meat out right now meat is not anything deleterious to my diet yeah were you ever, were you ever um, vegan you know what were you ever vegan um i'm vegan during the week yeah no i'm saying yeah yeah now but i'm seeing back in the day or anything uh back in the day it's vegetarian yeah yeah you know the vegan thing that didn't really hit yeah. um but even as a, a vegetarian like you really didn't eat a lot of milk products mm-hmm. it wasn't something it was like you know yep there um you were still drinking a lot of like soy milk totally back then yeah you know i mean and now because i mean that's the one thing is dairy is you know doesn't work for me it fucking fucks my joints up and there's so many good like nut cheeses out there fuck yeah there's so many good like you know like like oat milk like fuck with that hard oat milk dude chocolate oat milk oat milk is crack I'm gonna try. It's I haven't tried it yet. Fucking crack! <laughs> the oh my god, chocolate oatly oat milk is like it will be the end of me. Okay. Yeah, I, I want to. Yeah. I want to. Yeah, that that's like people. That's like the shit right now. Um. Well, th- this kind of this is almost towards a couple more questions, but you're you pretty much sure. summed it up. Like, what is your what's what's like your daily ritual? I know you said you wake up, have a big glass of water, take your supplements. Oh uh, my my daily ritual is wake up. Say hello to my dog because yes. he's usually sleeping right next to me. <laughs> Meditate for 10, 10 to twenty minutes. Nice. Brush brush my teeth. Big glass of water and handful of supplements. Yeah. Um, everything from like creatine to EFAs to vitamin D three to DHEA. Anybody anybody wants to know what my supplement regime is? Reach out to me. I'll let you know. Sick. Um, and if you're looking, here's the thing too. If you're looking for vegan. For vegan sources, I'll help you source them because I have athletes that like if I don't know where to find it, I can help find it. Yeah. And that just helps us all out. 
Yeah, I um, love that. Around, you know, probably about 20 minutes after that, I'll have like coffee, black, check my emails, take the dog out. Um, and then it depends. Like I'll have clients in the morning or if I don't have clients in the morning, maybe I'll bring the dog down to the park, yeah. um, throw the ball for him, do some movement, you know, just like lunges, toe touches, planks, weird shit. Like, you know, Oh, let's see if I can put my body into this shape today. Kind yeah. of shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, because that's, that's one of my weak points. I'm built like a manhole cover with feet. So it's kind of like, I need to like really, especially as we get older, you need to really do things that you're not used to doing. Like totally. that mobility is becoming a big, big thing in my life. Yeah. That's you know? A, yeah. I love that. You've always been in great shape, man. You've always maintained and always, no matter what you were doing, you always were in shape, whether you were sober or not. I feel like you're always working out. I don't know. It's always been part of your life. It's, 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 it's therapy for me. That's one yeah. of the things. Yeah. Um, you know, and then like usually like around noon, well, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have classes and clients all morning. Okay. But Monday, Wednesday, and Friday noon is jujitsu. I go train jujitsu after jujitsu. I'll do like a half half an hour to forty five minutes of just stretching and mobility. Nice. Um, after that, come home, chill at this crib, maybe work on a little bit of music, and then on Mondays and Wednesdays, I teach from like four thirty until nine thirty, and then you know I come home and. Go to sleep. My day is pretty fucking simple. Yeah, I love that. You have your own like yeah, your own routine. Your your own your own boss too. I love that. Yeah, um, and yeah, then, and it's like I don't yeah, I don't see myself going back on tour anytime soon. Yeah, I mean I'm actually like it's funny because I really I said to someone I really don't know if I'm playing live anymore. Mm. You know. Yeah, that's weird to even say that. It yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't. It does just doesn't. I mean, I've had a few people off. I got offered a couple tours, which were interesting, mm-hmm. but I mean, like right now I'm really into just being, you know, being Gavin who lives in New York city and just hangs out with, you know, has my life. That's what I want. Yeah. I mean, you you, you, I was going to ask you if you ever leave, leave, but you did leave before you left from like 2000, what, two to 2007, you in Cali, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, I'm, I'm here right now. I'll be dead honest with you. I don't think I want to go. I, I don't think I can't see myself beyond 60 in the city. Mm, got you. You know, I'm going to move somewhere with a warmer climate. Yep. Preferably a beach. Yep. Um, I don't know if it's going to be in this country or not. I mean, I've got good connections over in Thailand and retirement visas over there after 50 are pretty easy to get. Oh, wow. Interesting. So, yeah, you know, um, I could move down to Nicaragua or Costa Rica or something down there. Um, we'll see. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. It's, it's good to have like, you know, right. I mean, right now, like musically, what am I doing? Cause I know some people are going to be asking that I am yep. writing. Um, Chris Maggio, who's playing with plays with high on fire right now. Um, he played with God. He's, you know, he was in Coliseum. He played with converge. Nice. He played with, uh, He's played with Mutoid Man. He's played with uh, Slaybell. Um, we're, we're talking about going up to Orion Hackney's and doing some music in the spring. Um, and like I said, releasing some songs. That's awesome. That's what I want to do. I want to release some songs. Yeah. Um, you know, and quite honestly, I, if anybody out there has any opinions on that, love to hear them. You okay. know, maybe I should hang. Maybe I should hang it up. I'd love to hear what people say. No man. You, you know. know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for sure. 
I didn't say I didn't say I was going to listen to him. I said I'd be on. True. Um, <laughs> do you have Do you have any regrets in your life? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I know. I, some people leave it. No, I have nothing. I'm like, oh, no. I feel That's like, a silly question. No. Nah, There's a ton of things I yeah, regret. But, yeah, but some people say no. I'm like, they're like, nope. I'm like, all right. Um, I, can't believe, I can't believe that because no one lives a perfect life. No, man. Is there like any... I got a ton of, I got a ton, I got a ton of regrets, but the ones, that I, the ones that I can't fix immediately, I try to make living amends on. Love and that. the other ones are just a matter, it's a matter of course correction throughout your life. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Um, you know? Yeah. Um, someone who doesn't have regrets in their life is either a total sociopath or a fucking liar. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's strange when people say no. I'm like, there's got to be something in there. But I know. Um, you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for where I am and I'm grateful for what I have. But are there things I could have done? I could have done, should have done, and would have done better? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh hell's yeah. Yeah. Not for it's sure. It's silly to say that. That's like saying that I'm perfect. No, I'm not mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. Or oh, uh do you consider yourself an optimist or pessimist? I think I know the answer to that, but Oh, I'm a definite definite optimist. Totally, yeah. You've always you've always been like that. Yeah. 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 It's hard sometimes with the, what's happening in the world, but you just gotta stay focused and on the good Oh, shit. absolutely. But the whole thing is it's not gonna do anybody any good for me to be black and gloomy about it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. For sure. No, that's that's a good, that's a good point. Um, yeah. And then what what would, be, what would be your like your top five? Do you have a top five influential artist or authors or anything? A top five you could mm. that inspired your life. Wow. That's tough because there's so much. I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the fifth on that one because there's just so many, like so many authors, so many artists. So many musicians. Yeah. So many sunsets. Mm. So many dogs. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. It's hard. It is, so it is hard. Fucking, it is hard, though. You know, so many street philosophers, mm. you know. So many so many chance meetings and bus stops. So many, you know, it's like. Just that, that's so interesting. Many that's, a, that's the best answer I've heard so far. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of hard to pinpoint, like, you know? putting down, like, exactly. Yeah. Like, what, 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 there's not, there's not like a favorite musician that inspired you to play guitar, huh? Like um, something you I don't know. Wow. Um, I think it inspired me to play a guitar. Yeah, but it wasn't so much guitar. It was like I think it was like growing up around like jazz and classical music, like and listening to like a lot of like trick. Like my mom played a lot of Tchaikovsky okay. as a kid. Okay. And hearing like I think that's where I hear most of like like I have a hard time just writing a simple song. Got you. You know? Yeah. I'm very much into like layers and orchestration and you know, nuances. You totally see that. So I think that's yeah. Kind of, yeah. So it's like I think that's a lot of where people see that as jazz, but in honest honestly I think it's more in a classical the classical music I was raised around, like mm-hmm. Tchaikovsky, Brahms, um, you know, you could say Beethoven, yeah, but I mean, Hans Liszt, uh, there's just like, wow, yeah. That's um, awesome, man. I would never known that. Yeah. Very yeah. Di- very diverse palette of music you, you grew up around. You know what I mean? It's awesome. There's so much great music out there. 
It all it's, it, ma- it makes sense you know? now with the guitar playing, the songs, and the music you play. It makes I'm, I got a better picture of you after today because you know you think uh-huh. you know somebody what they're into or all that stuff, and then like it's just like from left field like that. I think that's cool for sure. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. th- I, well, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate Dude, you know when I first moved I to New York you. and meeting you guys, and every, I mean, everybody I met in New York, you know, welcomed me with open arms. I came from you know Maryland, and uh, I was you know what I mean. I met all you guys, and everybody was very welcoming and accepted me to the New York City family, which I wasn't from or or born there, you know. And so, uh, no, I appreciate you being part very of my few life. are my friend, very few are. I know, <laughs> you know. And, um, you know, Bird, go ahead. If, if, if New York isn't the crib, it's the bed you fall into. I love, I love that. And, uh, yeah. and Bird, Bird had a major impact on me to, you know, my not, my non eating meat life. And so I want to thank you for that. I have a burn tattoo and, you know, being part of, lucky to be in New York during, you know, those great times and those shows and, and seeing you guys back then and, and like 88, 89 and, I don't know, just meeting you. You always, you're always cool to me when I moved to New York, you know, always have been. So I appreciate. I appreciate that. that. Thank you very much. Of course, Gavin. And um, yeah. And we're and anything you want to plug? Anything about your your gym or anything? People look you up. Best way to find well, you. Well, I mean, anybody anybody who wants any information about the gym can reach out to me directly. It's at physicalculturecollective at gmail dot com. Okay. Um. Also, the 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 Instagram is physicalculturecollective. Awesome. Um, you know, and the one thing that I can say is like, and this this is going out to the jaded New Yorker, um, and this is just the person who's jaded in any manner. Yeah. Like, life is a relationship, and the reason that relationships fall apart is because we stop working at that. And I started to realize that in New York, I was like, "Wow, New York is dead. New York is no fun." And I started to realize that I, it's like a relationship with a girlfriend. You have to work at this. When you're first in New York and it's all new and it's all beautiful, it's like, wow, this is all this new, amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. But after a while, when you get used to it, you start to take that shit for granted. This is still, New York is still an amazing city. Yeah. Los Angeles is still an amazing city. San Diego is still an amazing, amazing city. Yeah. They are all still amazing cities. But we, as we get older, our responsibility to keep that relationship lies in the fact that we have to do work to keep that relationship fiery. I love that. I love that. That makes, that's totally, that makes sense. Cause I heard people say, Oh, New York's not the same. New York is this and this and that. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. Everything changes, but yeah. we have to change too. This is an amazing, this is an amazing city. Yeah. You know, it's it will be an amazing city after I'm gone. Yeah. You know, yeah. It will always be an amazing city. Yeah. I love that you've been there a long time. You've been through all the changes of New York, man, especially like Lower East Side, everything. It's, it's yep. all the different closing up the venues and our favorite food spots, all that shit, you know? Yeah. But then you find and new we're spot. going you through find it. New spots. We're, 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 going, we're going through it again. We're losing Brooklyn Bazaar. We lost hard times. Um, yeah, I mean, but other venues will open. Yep. Totally, man. You made it through all that. CBGB's closing everything and more shit. Um, Awesome, Gavin. You kicked a lot of knowledge, and I uh, really appreciate your time today. And we did shit. We talked for two hours. I'm stoked. Um, yeah, man. I appreciate everything, and uh, I hope to see you in real life soon. You know, no doubt. All right, Gavin. Thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you later, bro. All right, brother. Bye. Peace. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also.
So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.